Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. Welcome, everybody, back to another podcast episode. Um, this time, you guys would not believe where I am. I'm in another, the superintendent of Arizona, Kathy Hoffman's office. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. I'm so thankful. I like can't express how much gratitude I have to be able to have this um, chat with you today. I'm a huge fan of your work. Okay. Um, and on behalf of myself and many of the teachers that I've connected with, we're all really cheering for you and I'm excited to support your initiatives as well. So thank you. I greatly appreciate your support. I wanted to mention some things that perhaps some of my audience may not know about you. And in my research, I learned that you are a preschool teacher or you were a preschool teacher. I started my career as a preschool teacher. That's my first job out of college. Tell me just a little bit about that experience and perhaps how that foundation helps. It helps in so many ways and it, it helped develop, um, it helped me become very passionate about education and working in the classroom to begin with. And I had a unique opportunity of at the, at the preschool where I worked in Tucson, they actually hired me to be the Spanish and art teacher. And it was a school that just wanted to have more enriching opportunities for their students. And so I got to work with all, all the different kids in both the uh, preschool and pre-K classrooms and do all kinds of fun activities to teach them both um, Spanish and art. They were not the same class. They were two different classes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just super fun. And I loved working with the kids. And then it was through that work that I encountered and discovered the field of speech-language pathology. And that's when I decided to become a speech-language pathologist. That's amazing. So are you bilingual then? I'm actually trilingual. Tell me. I, I, speak, I speak Japanese and Spanish as well. And that started because when I was growing up, I had the, the privilege of attending a Japanese immersion program, which was in Portland, Oregon. And so I had half the day in Japanese and half the day in English. And then I, I just grew to love studying languages and traveling. And so I, in college, went on to learn Spanish. And that's how I think, I think knowing the Japanese helped me to learn Spanish more quickly. And I, but I've always just been very passionate about different languages and cultures. And then that also I contributed to my passion for becoming a speech therapist. And when I was doing my master's degree at the University of Arizona, I did research in the area of the speech and language development of bilingual kids. Yeah. And I did work to make sure that we don't overdiagnose bilingual kids with speech disorders. I thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I That's so awesome because, uh, I mean, you know that we have – a huge ELL population here in Arizona yes. alone um, and having somebody at the state level advocating for that and really truly understanding that perspective says a lot says a lot I'm very passionate about that and I think I can confidently say that after two almost two years of campaigning and talking about the bilingual issues in our schools and the experiences of our multilingual students I think I've helped educate Arizonans about what that looks like and why that 
why that should be a priority for our Department of Education and our education policies going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I know just recently, um, let me just jump jump to that our the the current ELL block. Mm -hmm. um, that bill was amended, you know, was adapted. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you want to speak a little bit about your experience, you know, pushing that through? Absolutely. That was one of our first wins that we were very excited about. And I, I know a lot of other organizations did a lot to make sure that passed as well. So I'm very grateful for everyone's support of that. And I was really excited to see that that passed unanimously because it's very rare in this day and age to see a a bill go all the way through with both Democratic and Republican support. And so that was just amazing to see. And um, our department has already been working on doing research and putting materials together for the field for what is best practice, because we know those four hour blocks where we were separating out our students and they were not having the same opportunities for all the other classes that they needed to be successful. And so our department is taking a, a leading role in helping the field to know and providing that professional development for what's next now that now that that policy is is not Please. not going to be such a, a hindrance to our students. Oh, that, and that's that when that passed, that was such a game changer, especially for our kindergarten students. I mean, even um, I have my daughter that's in uh, high school for many of her friends. Um, what a difference that that would have made, you know. Yes, it's going to make a huge difference. And I, I do have to say that I see it as also a first step because yeah. we, Arizona still has the English only yes, law. Yes, I know. And so that's our next step that will be that we're there actually is a bill going through right now that so that addresses that. that. And so we're doing everything we can to testify and talk to people about doing everything we can to support that. But that would also have to go to the ballot. Yeah. So it's going to take a lot of education for everyone in Arizona or all the voters in Arizona so that they understand the importance of repealing the English only law. Yes. And I'm, we are so excited to push that information and to educate the public on what evidence has shown us the benefits of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, very cool. And so you had your inspiration for a speech path was in that early childhood, mm -hmm. that preschool time. Um, I think it's amazing that you speak Japanese and Espanol. <laughs> um, I want to say just a little bit about during your campaign as well. You, you've had some months since you've been elected. Historic vote. I want to tell my, my uh, listeners, I think you're like the youngest uh, uh, voted in state level like superintendent in the nation, I think it is. Yes, I am the youngest state superintendent. It's like, awesome. I mean, <laughs> little girl, like my kid, my daughter mm -hmm. is like, that's awesome. Like anything is possible. And that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. I know there was some uh, skepticism about your perhaps, quote, lack of experience. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th throughout the campaign, that was one of the um, biggest issues brought up by sometimes journalists or sometimes my opponent where people would say that I didn't have the leadership experience needed to run the department. And I just kept responding with all of our educators are leaders. Mm -hmm. We are leaders in our classroom. We are leaders in our homes. We're leaders in the community. We, um, we have very strong communication and, and uh, social skills, which I think is critically important to being a leader. And I can say after being in countless IEP meetings that I know very well how to bring people together Absolutely. from different backgrounds yes. and problem solve together and, and 
um, work well with others in a way that is also critically important for for the the leadership skills needed. Mm-hmm. And but I also knew that I am the type of person that knows how to be resourceful and that. I'm not expected to know everything or have experience in everything. There's no one who's capable of that. And so since I took office, I've um, one of the ways I've addressed that concern, I would say, is by hiring experts from the field. And so, for example, my chief of staff also has a background in special education as a teacher, a special ed director. Then he was an assistant principal and then for 14 years was an associate superintendent yeah. for the Vail School District. And we do think we're, we're we're not 100% sure, but we think we're the, it's the first time where we've had both a superintendent who's an educator as well as the chief of staff Yes, who's I an heard educator. that somewhere too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think that says a lot. And yes. I think that you should be commended for that. The voters um, are lucky that, you, that you're speaking for them. Absolutely. Yes. Um, let me go to uh, my classroom kindergarten teacher specifically, although for everybody really. So I was speaking to one of your staff about being connected with some kindergarten teachers. And right now, something that's amongst many issues, obviously, in the classroom, they wanted me to tell you, can you mention classroom size? And I know you mentioned this before, um, tackling that we've had, we have kindergarten classrooms. And, and I know all of the grades have, a, you know, 35 students sometimes. But in kindergarten, you have these little four and five-year-olds and they're pushing 30. Three, one of my kindergarten teachers yeah. was telling me, and I know one of the Yuma reps had said that her daughter is a teacher, and I think it was 31 that was in her classroom. Um, any other, any any advice for those teachers? I know you, you guys are addressing it at the legislature. Any advice to those teachers that come to you and just need a little bit of word of, you know, support uh, from you? What would you say? Well, I know that is extremely challenging to have for any teacher to have such a large class size. And I do see it as a a direct result of our teacher shortage, which is also a direct result of not having the competitive pay, even regionally competitive competitive when we look at some of our neighboring states. And um, and so it is a multifaceted issue of how we got to this point. Um, My my encouragement to them, of course, would be to hang in there and uh, and to to have mentors that can help help you or even just other colleagues and friends, because I think when you have such a large class size, then that means you have a really big workload yeah. and a lot of stress that comes with that. And and so um, one thing we've been working on when it comes to workload issues and classroom size issues is also what can we do to make sure our teachers have high quality professional development so that they have good classroom management skills mm-hmm. and because that can make a huge impact yeah, on, well. on the well-being of a teacher. And, um, and yeah, it's really important that we're thinking about all the, the benefits that teachers have. I've been talking with super, with district superintendents about the cost of health insurance and that can be um, really stressful because that can, if, with the, if with the rising cost of health care and health insurance, then teachers can actually see their pay decreasing yes. from year to year. And so we're having those conversations and, and trying to figure out what some potential solutions for that could be. Yeah. So we're trying to look at it in a very holistic yeah. way. But it's, I, I know it's going to take time I know. to I solve know. these things. Yeah. And so I hope that the that educators out there will hang in there. In the yes, meantime. and I and I I know I, I talk a lot about this with other teachers, and you know it takes time. But I 
it's about I think a lot oftentimes about feeling like you're being heard mm -hmm. you know it's very true very and respected true. for yeah. all the hard work yeah. and our, our communications team as well as well as one of my priorities has been to make sure that we're when we're going out and doing school visits that we highlight it as much as possible through our social media and and because I know our teachers are working so hard and we have amazing student achievement and amazing programs that people just don't hear enough about yeah. those those experiences and those achievements. So that's one of our priorities um, on our communication side is to make sure that we're using our voice and all of our methods to make sure that we're elevating those stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about something I had heard you uh, talk about in another interview, perhaps regarding the connection with mental health support through access. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, um, my daughter, go, my, my high schooler goes to Tempe Unified School District. And so I'm in the East Valley. Mm -hmm. So the last suicides affected us personally. My daughter knew one of, one oh of the, mm -hmm. the kids. And um, so it was like, it, it was a really rough year with all of her peers. We um, had discussions regarding how to cope with that. Yeah. I was really happy to see that that school district took it really um, the next step in offering these trainings and support and all kinds of um, initiatives for the kids. And I recently heard something mm -hmm. about access or resources yeah. you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, first of all, that's incredibly tragic, and, and I mean, that just has rippling effects for for our communities. It's, and I know that other areas have been, ex yeah. other schools have been experiencing that as well. Um, so, um, thank you. We, yeah. It's. I mean, I, I, I can also speak <laughs> to having personal experience yeah. with those types of. I mean, even if you don't, yeah, like just right, hearing about I it, I want to. You know, even if you yes. don't, one one mm -hmm. uh, suicide is one too many. Yes, and it's yeah, it's tragic, yeah. and we want to do everything we can to be preventative and provide high quality professional development and trainings to both prevent suicides, but also have the supports in our schools for mental for mental health supports yeah. or social emotional learning. And so we're our department is extremely supportive of that. And I, I've been also saying it feels like the stars are aligning because the governor is also making it a priority. Yeah. And we see that in his budget where he wants to have um, and he wants to increase the number of school counselors in our schools, which would be great. Then with access, um, we had our, we have only had one meeting with them so far, but so we're in the early stages of, of partnering with them because they do have resources, and um, they were looking for a way to use their resources to help um, provide professional development to teachers in the area of mental health um, types of topics. And so we, we still haven't picked like the program yet yeah. or what that would look like, but what was important to me too was to make sure that that professional development was not just in Phoenix or not just in Tucson. We wanna make sure we get to every yeah. corner of the state. And that um, that's something I've heard loud and clear from our rural educators. And so um, I'm using my connections to connect access to, out to our county superintendent since we have a county superintendent for every county of course and then they are much more familiar with their districts and and they can help send the invitations out for when we when we have it all figured out yeah yeah um and then i'm also looking into ways 
to also make sure we have training available in the area of um, having trauma-informed classrooms because many of our students, and unfortunately we have a very high rate in Arizona of students who have experienced trauma in, the, in their lives. Yeah. And so that's another area where I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to push that out to, to every district that's interested. Yes, I, I, I always come back and say that it really is a community effort. Like mm -hmm. it, it can't be a siloed um, plan. It really has to be community collaborative um, to address this this issue. It's it's. I feel like it's a crisis. It's an epidemic. And I think the demand is there. When I'm out meeting with educators or um, district leaders, I I hear them saying they want it. They want the training. They want our the teachers want to be trained. People are craving the information, but we know resources can be scarce. Yeah. And so it's so great to have partners and to, to hear that be a priority for the other agencies to partner with us and the Department of Education. And, and of course, in our um, Department of Education, I should also mention, we, we do have many grants and programs and people program specialists here already working on providing these supports out to the schools. Yeah. So I want to make sure not oh, to, yes. not oh, to oh, forget oh, no, mentioning no. Yes. that. I, we, we know, we yeah. know, yes, absolutely. Um, but we're doing everything we can to to keep the more the better yeah, the more the better yeah. and we're um yeah we're just trying to improve access and make sure we're getting out to as many districts as possible very cool so i just wanted to make sure that information got out to our listeners so they know that in addition to what's already being mm -hmm. available yes. more is being done yeah we're working diligently on that yes um how about i wanted to now do ask our actually how can our parents and community support your work? So you're doing all yeah. kinds of awesome <laughs> stuff, right? Yes. How can we help you? I've, I've felt such immense support from the communities and from, um, from the public that I just feel some, just so grateful, so appreciative um, that I've, that I've um, had that support. And so I would encourage people to follow us on social media. I have new accounts that um, perhaps could be yeah. posted with the podcast. Um, and I, I encourage that because as we go forward, there will be different topics and different issues that come up that we want to make sure that our, our community and families are aware of that um, as different policy issues per perhaps pop up that we can share what our priorities are and what, what, what we need help with. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say right now, there's not one single thing, thing yeah. But um, okay. we, we've felt we've had a lot of wins so far this legislative session, like <laughs> we mentioned the ELL bill, yeah. but also um, around the area of our ESA voucher programs yes. and the management mm -hmm. and um, program oversight. We've had a lot of success around that legislatively. Um, and so we're we're feeling pretty optimistic right now about um, about this legislative. Well, there's still a lot. There's always a lot of there's areas always, to work yeah. on. So I would just say it's important for for people to stay tuned and, and keep an eye out. And um, there, I think that for the next legislative session that will be set up for more success because coming into office in January, right when yeah. the legislature started, kind of set us back a little bit and we weren't as involved when people were writing the bills and having those initial meetings around those bills. But for next year, we have so many things we want to yeah. work on, like school funding and mm -hmm. Um, and specifically like special education funding yeah. and how can we 
expand. Of course, early education is yeah. also very important to us. Yeah. Yes. And yes, I, it's that foundation. It's, right. Yeah. So we have so so much to work on. And I just <laughs> but you've gotten, mm-hmm. you've progressed. You've made so much yeah. progress Thank so you. far. Um, and I want to make sure and highlight that. Um, before I let you go, mm-hmm. do you have any other updates you'd like to let us know about? Um, I know you were at Capital Day yesterday. Mm-hmm. You, you were traveling like you were in Yuma this week too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like us to, to know before I let you go? Um, yeah, we've ha- had great trips traveling, visiting schools. It's been extremely exciting t- uh, to see all the amazing achievements of our students and teachers firsthand and be able to share those on social media as well. Um, I think the, the last thing I want people to know about is that we've been doing a lot of internal work in terms of we um, we already completed an internal capacity review and we we did publish the res- well we made public the yeah. results the report of that capacity review because we wanted to be really transparent about where we're at currently and we we know that's going to help us create a strategic plan and a vision for the department um, but secondly we're still working on on planning for our audit which is of which the audit will be of our financial operations yes, and so we're um having we have another meeting coming up soon where the auditor will present us with a proposal for the scope of the audit and we'll be able to give feedback at that time and so i just wanted to give a quick update of us where we're at for the for the auditing process and i will just continue to keep everyone updated on that Um, Muchisimas gracias, Mm -hmm. Superintendent Hoffman. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.